We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 322 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and joining me again is my friend, and who's kind of become our match review correspondent in Rafa Aldamui from Meske Un Podcast. And Rafa, while clubs are on the international break, unfortunately, we don't get our break before the end of this podcast. So are you ready to rehash the most exciting match of football you've ever watched? Woo! I don't know. I mean, I'm ready. But I know you're being sarcastic, sarcastic, because boy, boy, was that match boring and dreadful. The only good thing is that we got the three points, but geez, that was hard to watch. I, I'm a, a bit confused. I thought we were talking about uh, many of the African Cup of Nations games because those have been very, very exciting. But no, I think, unfortunately, we're talking about Barcelona's one nothing win over Deportivo Alaves. So while I would love to spend time talking about the Cameroon game today, which was I mean, great fun. A lot of those have been fun. A lot of red cards in the African Cup of Nations. I can tell you that. But but, but yes, the ball just seems to move with a chaos. And it's also like the other thing about international competition, real quick, because I'm stalling about Deportivo Alaves. But the fun thing about international competition, especially the African Cup of Nations, even more so than Euros, or even here with the Copa America in the, in the Americas or with the Gold Cup in the, the US-Mexico-Canada region, the African Cup of Nations, you can have guys that are playing for... It's just a random team in a, a, a major city in Africa playing for a local team. And then you have Mohamed Salah, right? And it's like, they're sharing the same field and there's not that much separating the two teams. And it seems like that's every, every game, every match in the African combinations is like, can this all world quad billionaire, not quad billionaire, but like millionaire, right? Like this world-class player, can they break down this player playing for, the, you know, a, a, a side in the second largest city in Morocco, right? Like that's what we're talking about in the African Cup of Nations. Now, I know Morocco and Egypt didn't play, but anyway, okay. So Barcelona won nothing over Deportivo Alaves. Rafa, I want to start it off with, yeah, your initial thought, because I think the thing people want us to say is, how'd you feel about it? Other than, I mean, yeah, it was a slow go. It was a slow burn and boring, I think is a fair word, but it's, the boring deserves explanation. That's why we're going to do this for an hour. I mean, if you would have told me that Kuman was on the bench instead of Xavi, I would have believed you because it was that kind of game that if we that I obviously Xavi's not getting people are criticizing how bad we played, but obviously they're just still giving like we said at the start, 
journalists are going to give Xavi some slack and fans too. But if this would have been under Kuman, people would have been criticizing the hell out of this game because from the start, everything was stale, bad passes, everything. Like it just seemed so, so bad. Like defense wise, the midfield wasn't clicking. The forwards weren't doing absolutely anything. It wasn't until like the second half that I, in my opinion, Abde played a little bit better going by people and that, that created a little bit more uh, more danger for Barcelona. But it was just like the, the bad things out of every player for the most part, you saw them. Like you saw a Ferran Torres that, yeah, he had the assist at the end, but you saw the reality. He's just, he's getting match fitness again. He hasn't played, he hadn't played since that uh, Nations League final against France. So you saw a player that was regaining match fitness it, it it seemed like the game for him in my opinion was like three speeds ahead of him you saw Luke de Jong all the bad things about Luke de Jong slow there were like three chances that he just couldn't get to the ball because he's not fast enough then you saw Abd especially like the first part was just like garbage I'll just say it, it I don't want to be that mean but it was just hot garbage like even Abde who I love like that spark that he brings during the first half, he that wasn't there. That's why I mentioned that in the second half, I liked his match more. He was actually going by people, and that was making everything like creating chaos for everybody. The only bright spot, and I know this has been mentioned all over Twitter, the internet, was Pedri. This was the Pedri that we fell in love last season before, obviously, he played a gazillion games and was just worn out. Pedri, you and Xavi gave him praise after the game because it was, he just stood out ahead of everybody so much. Everything that he did had an intention. His touches were great. Xavi mentioned like the pitch was frozen, but it didn't look like it was frozen for Pedri because his touches were like it was so fluent. He was given everything like his first touch was great. He was his vision, he knew where to pass when it when it passed back, when it passed forward, when it passed sideways. All the country, like Busquets, wasn't playing that well. I know Frankie, that's a whole different thing. He was at being asked more to like make those forward runs that he made under Kuman, get in the box, yada, yada. So that's why I don't know if it was like a mixture of everything, but Benny was just like that sparkle in a good way. Then the fullbacks, Dest, I don't want to blame Dest because I know he didn't have a great game, but to me, it's so harsh to throw him in a difficult game. I know it's like, a bad team, like they're fighting for relegation, but it's not easy to play against Alaves at their stadium with the pitch frozen. A team that hasn't, like the, the three forwards, had never played a single minute together. So it's just all those midfield forward patterns. And you're asking Des, who's still trying to figure everything out. So yeah, he didn't play well, but I it's it's the easy thing to do. I'm not gonna blame him. Then Jordi Alba, it's, it's the Jordi Alba defensively. Yeah, he had the hockey assist in the goal. We all know that he's good at that going forward. But defensively, it's just it's just bad. Like that the, that play in the first half that started on his wing, he let the guy in front of him control a ball in the air in his face. Then he let them make the cross, a dangerous cross, and poor old Des had. I don't. I forgot his name. Going full speed at him, 
and the the header almost went in. It was like with real force, not that much accuracy, but everything was because of Jordi Alba being so passive in defense, and it just gotten to a point where it's again, I don't want to beat up on a dead horse, which it seems like we're doing on Jordi Alba, but it's just so hard to watch. It's like watching Marcelo for Real Madrid. That you're like, man, this is just how can this guy still be our starting left back? I know it's because of different things. He, Filippo wasn't good. We haven't brought in a good replacement, but we need something better because this guy defensively is a liability. And if we keep playing him time after time and time again, I'll wrap it up. Our chances for top four are in real danger with Jordi Alba as our starting left back. Well, yeah, I, I'm thinking about that because I think the immediate response that we hear a lot after these kind of matches is those going after individual players. I mean, Alba said after Athletic Club, where we all criticized him the way we should have, that of course he, I mean, he, I don't really think he actually pushed, a, and not to say that he didn't accept the criticism, but it sounded like he was saying that he was just going to kind of keep going no matter what the criticism said, which is, well, I mean, what his option to do is. But I think in this kind of game, and I think Pedri and to a point De Young in the second half, and I'm going to get into De Young in a bit, but I think with those two players in particular who were better than everybody else, I think everybody else as a unit had a game. And so you mentioned Des, and I was thinking about this a lot, where the immediate reaction is Alba was our problem, or PK was our problem, or at earlier times in the season, Ter Stegen was our problem, or it's this player was our issue, blah, 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 right? Luke Young is too slow. And you go after the player, or you only have 160 characters in a tweet, and you have to go after an individual player. But this was a match that the more and more I thought about it was, I don't think that it was actually about complacency or even a level in talent not being what it needs to be. I think this is a team that fundamentally we saw is lacking a collective identity where some players trust other players, but I honestly believe we are still seeing the emotional reaction from losing Messi on the field where the confidence that he instilled was just so immense. And you bring up Dest, and I, I keep getting complaints like I have this bias around Dest, but I'm trying to view the way we see Dest and how he fits into Xavi's system as a player and, and kind of remember his story, remember that narrative, remember where he's been and where he's supposed to go, almost as a defensive end, where someone said that Dest looks like the new Semedo. And I think that's actually the interesting conundrum here for him. I feel like Semedo lost his personal confidence because he could never figure out or didn't have the skill to be what Messi needed him to be on the right side. He also, it always had something to do with the fact that he had to always defend because Messi was not in that space to defend for very good reasons because Messi was busy scoring goals and creating everything else when he would leave in that space. And Semedo had this incredible job to do. And he never figured out where he needed to be offensively. And that was that Semedo kind of things went awry for him because he couldn't figure out how to play with Messi. And it looks like Dest is doing his best Semedo impression as far as being a bit timid at times, or if he does go forward, it seems like it's not at the right moment or he doesn't get by the defender he's supposed to. But yeah, it looks like he's doing his best tomato without defending. But I don't think that's entirely true. I think every player that played with Messi, Dest included, who was with him for a year, is still trying to figure out when I do this, what happens here? Should I do this? Coleman said, do this. But Xavi says, do this. And the whole time I think about that, the opponent is waiting and ready for me to make my move. And I think that's why so many of these players in particular collectively look so lost when individually you could say, oh, you know, boosie has been great under Xavi because he has. And Piki has been great under Xavi as he has. But yet we say, you know, these old sacred cows, they're the problem. Get them out of my club. And as I kind of said earlier in the week to Levon, that the issue is not PK, Alba, and Busquets. 
It's PK, Alba, and Busquets, all three of them together as one unit where, of course, their age and I think, again, not the shock of losing Messi, but the, the confidence that he instilled just by existing on the field and, and filling that vacuum is something that, that this new leadership core can't really do because as much as Messi was a captain different than Puyol as a captain and different than Xavi was as a captain, Messi had that thing that above all else, that, uh, that holy figure above all else that, that was a leader just by existing on the field. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I even look at, it's not just Desi, I look at Mingaitha and I'm wondering why is Mingaitha such a shell of himself this year, right? And I, I, he's also on the right side where Messi used to be. Why is De Young much less effective? When De Young used to, it seemed like his timing last year when he scored the eight goals or whatever it was, when he made those runs into the box, he just seemed so much more assured with those runs that he would make. As if, even if I lose this ball, we'll always have more chances because Messi is going to save us in the end of the day. Alba is getting criticized so, so, so much, but he built his career on the back of combining with Lionel Messi, right? And so he still does some of those things like he did on the, on the, the pre-assist, of course. But I, I think that when I look at this game and I say, this is a team that obviously still is going through the thing structurally, even like the Dembele point, he's, he had a tummy ache as in he's getting transferred out or they're trying to sell him, but he had a tummy ache. So he was unavailable, but like this game probably changes with Des instead of Abde. And we'll talk about Abde later too. But as far as just the big picture, the individuals, this is one of those things where this team as a unit, I'm not talking about throwing somebody else into the mix to get top four this year. Even if there is one or two other arrivals, they're going to show up into a group that is not fully united on the field and doesn't have the collective identity necessary without Messi. And I don't know if 10 days of training is going to do that in preparation with Atletico Madrid, but can this team have enough of an identity to, to, to make top four to embolden themselves? And I, I keep saying too, with the Atletico club, uh, Athletic club match against Copa del Rey in the Copa del Rey. I mean, I, I don't know what big matches this team, this unit has won in the last year and a half. I can't think of that match where they've gotten over the hump. The thing that I guess they need to galvanize them and I think I do a, a thing where, you know, with me, it's always about the tactics. It's always about the X and O's. It's always about the changes that can be made. It's always about, you know, X, Y, Z. But this looked like a team that has to have a feeling, that has to have that, 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 that grit to them that you, I don't, and again, I don't think it's complacency. I don't think it's just a bunch of millionaires in second gear. I truly think that it is a, a team still reeling from lo- losing the greatest player of all time and trying to figure out how they're going to fit into a new manager system and who, and who they're going to be at this club moving forward. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And let's be honest, this Tim team has had zero consistency. Like the first season that Messi leaves the club, which in itself was going to be hard as hell. We, it's not like, I, I like to make this example. When Madrid lost Cristiano Ronaldo, they still had a Karim Benzema to fall back and a Karim Benzema that had been a vital part in winning four Champions Leagues. They still had Sergio Ramos. They still had Toni Kroos, Modric, to kind of ease the pain a little bit and soften the blow. Can I, wait, can I throw the, let me throw the forward stat at you real quick. Yeah. Javi has used 12 forward lines. That is the most, since he showed up, that is the most forward lines of any team in the league. And he has never once replicated the same front three. Yeah, it, it's no crazy. Consistency? Yeah, <laughs> no consistency. So there's no consistency whatsoever. Kuman had the same problem at the start. Obviously, I'm not going to get into Kuman, but just like making the, 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 the whole picture that in itself, losing the first season after losing Messi was going to be hard to sell. On top of that, the whole hope, like I like that after the was it after the first Star Wars movie where Lucas Luke Skywalker is like looking at the sunset like a new hope. It was like oh we can't wait till Ansu Fati comes back, Dembele comes back, adding that mixture with Sergio Aguero. We know he's old, but for the league we can get by with that front three. Blah blah. Ansu Fati, we've I don't even want to talk about it because I'm still depressed. The whole Dembele thing has the finally he's been fit again but then throw in a wrench with his whole renewal thing and we don't even have him Aguero almost died and had to retire so it's just it's just crazy how everything that could have gone wrong in the first post Messi season has gone wrong and a guy that's not in the forward line but we just talked about him so vital Pedri in providing stuff for that forward line creating stuff and we right now it's the first time that we've had him the entire season and we've seen the difference that he makes for this team. So it's just so hard to judge this Barcelona team and everybody involved because this is like a well oil. It's like a, like the power Rangers when they made the robot, it's like different parts make one, but these parts, they've never played together. And then you had a little desk here who hasn't played with Ferran in front of him. Then the front three, it's just it's just so different. And every yeah. starting 11, it's just something so different that it's just hard, man. It, it's the ugly truth. Well, I think I think you're also seeing issues where, and this is the, the De Young conundrum, because I want to do De Young now, that a lot of these players don't necessarily fit together, but they're the best players that Barca could keep around. And the squad has been built, again, dealing with losing players to XYZ. And you could even call the Dembele contract still just another scar from the Bartomeu era. And Barca is still cleaning up all these different messes, including having not renewed, I mean, and, and if reports to be to leave, believe, no matter who was president, this was, Dembele was always going to be leaving on that free. But Barca kind of always believed that he, that he would resign. And he always said that he wouldn't resign, but there must be something else out there. And we've talked and done the Dembele thing, but you know, now that, that that ship has sailed, 
back to De Jong because De Jong is going to be a Barcelona player moving forward. And I think even in that match, I think it's almost unfair to Xavi to think of that match against Alaves as the same from the first to the second half because the first half was real rough. I mean, it was. It, I mean, it was in all those different ways where Barca, again, so last time Alaves played them, they played with a low block with five men. But this time it was a 4-4-2, very, very narrow because when Barca struggle, and this has been, I mean, any team who has the possession like Barca want to have the possession, they're going to struggle with a, with a narrow anything. But they played a 4-4-2 with some soft pressure at the point of the attack and then a beehive in the midfield around De Young and Busquets in particular. And Barca, far too slow and couldn't move the block to create any gaps. It was just too many long balls, diagonals, side to side. The ball would be in the air for too long. And then key players weren't receiving with any numerical superiority to go on that the weak side once they, they cross the ball over. There also weren't enough near post runs coming off of those long diagonal balls either on, on those long diagonal crosses. And looking in particular at the weaknesses and the ways that Alaves, even a team like Alaves, can, can pinpoint Barcelona's issues that PK and Araujo in particular weren't dribbling forward to into that open space. They weren't doing it almost at all in that first half, especially. And that's because Araujo is not, he, we talk about confidence, he doesn't trust his playmaking enough to be able to break any line. So he doesn't dribble into the space because he knows if he dribbles into that space and then loses the ball. Now Barca's caught on the counter. Same thing with PK where PK physically, he can read the game and be in the right spots, especially when the other team is trying to play out. But if he's going to play out and one of his teammates, like say he gives it Boudou Busquets and Busquets immediately gives it up. Then Barca are definitely on the back heels and he knows physically in one V one situations, that's a rough place for him to be. So now you don't have your two center backs, progressively dribbling in that space. And as mean as people have been or angry as people have been about Eric Garcia not being the second coming of Puyol, I mean, he's been a huge absence as far as playing progressive passes and dribbling into space and just moving around those low blocks and those medium blocks and, and moving around some of those narrow pieces. So everything changed for Barca when two things happened. One, when the extra midfielder in Nico came in that allowed De Young to get forward. And you could look at De Young's heat map in that first half, he was much farther to the wing where he just absolutely does not belong. And then when Nico came on, he basically, they, he, I mean, he had the extra body in midfield and created those numerical advantages, which is also that change of the 3-4-3, where I understand why Xavi didn't want to trust, trust Dest as the third center back for an entire game. That makes a lot of sense to me. But to, and to try the 4-3-3, where in theory, all of those guys are more natural where they need to be. But he had to basically sacrifice anything that Desk could give him going forward to be the center back because you had to overload the middle. And that was a tactical change that Xavi made that did work out. And I know that the goal was in the 87th minute and it feels a little bit like like, like luck, but it wasn't because De Young was so much more effective in that second half, changing his positioning, as I said, from going from the wing to the middle of the field against and creating those numerical advantages and also pushing forward a bit more because once Nico came on again, you had that extra body in defense, meaning the young had the ability to go forward and not worry about was what was what he was leaving in behind. So, I mean, why would De young ever pick up the ball within 10 meters of the sideline, which is where he kept picking it up. Where is he going to go? What, what progressive dribbling is, is going to occur from that spot on the field. And he did it in the first half time and time again. And that's why, yeah, I mean, I keep going back to the unit thing because I know we're going to hit desk. We're going to hit Abde and you can hit anybody you want. But other than Pedri, who I think in this match showed you that you could plop that kid in our Sunday teams or whatever, and he's just going to fit. Like he's just going to fit like a glove because Pedri is just talented enough. And he, I mean, you saw him gesturing at PK and Busquets like, hey, play the ball over there, play the ball over there. And I like, for me, it's like, I mean, institutionally, I understand that Busquets and, Al and PK are making the right decisions, but I'm also like, Maybe Ped, maybe Pedri's right. Like maybe there's maybe Pedri knows what he's talking about here as far as like just moving that ball a little quicker and it just 
I mean, it's true. La Liga as a whole has been slower. And one of our patrons always says that. And it's true. Like La Liga passing the ball movement. It's all been a lot slower. And we want Spanish football in general to kind of raise their level. And Barca has certainly been, the, I think, the poster child of that. Um, but yeah, I, I think how do you get Barca to move the ball quicker without changing this personnel? That was the question I had in the second half. Right? How do you break it down with that same 11? Because I think it's not it's it's lazy. It's not lazy for a, a, somebody on Twitter, but it's lazy for you and I, Rafa, who comment and think about the team as much to say, oh, well, I, if we had Erlen Holland instead of Luke DeYoung, you have a different result. No, duh. <laughs> of course, <laughs> probably you do. You probably do have a different result. Of course, because Erlen Holland runs onto those three balls that Luke DeYoung does it and Barca won three nothing in the first half. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's a different story. But with those exact pieces staying the same, because that's what's going to be. Now you have no Dembele. Now you're talking about Abde. How do you deal with all of Abde's issues? How do you deal with the shortcomings of Alves or Dest or Mingetha or an injured Sergio Roberto? Because your right back is not the right back you need, but you're going to have to make do with one of the four right backs you have. So what can Xavi do about that? And I think it it's going to depend on the, the game and the... Uh, yeah, I, I please, give me an answer, Rafa. <laughs> Thing is, no, it's complicated. And I don't think there's a straight up answer i think this is what xavi's trying to figure out with the ingredients that he has right now and that's why i always and people some people call me a kuman apologist and i i think xavi is the best coach for barcelona right now and going forward and i thought it was time to let kuman go but what i'm trying to get at is that even xavi has in a way in his own words I know Kuman got a lot of slack for saying, like, it is what it is. It's lo que hay, or this is what we have, and you got to get used to it. Like, there's a shortage of talent. And Chevy has said it in his own kind of way. And I think that's not funny because I'm a Barcelona fan, but that Xavi has, I think, in a way, like, whoa, he came in. Oh, no, we're going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then the reality has like hit him in the face like yeah you you want to make a pizza but you don't have the exact ingredients that you need to make the pizza you want so i think chevy's still trying to figure that out and in that sense i i think the biggest conundrum and nobody has figured that out is frankie the young what's his best position a lot of people say that he should be playing in the busquets role He's played some games in the past in that role, not a lot, and he hasn't been that great. Other people say, oh, no, but when he played with Ajax, was, which was when he, like, came into the world and everybody fell in love with him, he was playing alongside another more stationary midfielder, and he had basically license to roam around and do whatever he wanted. So some people are calling for him to play alongside Nico. So that Nico could be that more fixated central central midfielder, and Frankie could have he, that freedom. He really isn't, by the way. That's not what Nico is either. So, so just going out there. That, then that's that's exactly what I, I, I why I'm bringing this up. And other people are like, no, Frankie should play with Busquets, but make those late runs and forward runs that Kuman uh, wanted him to make, and he made under Kuman and Xavi is insisting so much that he makes right now. So it's, it's such an, a, a big internal debate and in, within Barcelona's fan base. And I think that exemplifies that the struggles of this Barcelona team that we got, I mean, nobody can deny Frankie, the young's talent. 
it's 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 clear like he is very 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 talented but it's like a diamond that could be worth uh, so much more and for some reason everybody nobody has the answer yet or has found the answer to the solution it's just like we're it's like oh my god it's just there's something missing frankie could be so much more and we've talked about this i we i've talked about this with you on this podcast yeah. numerous times everybody has said it but nobody knows <laughs> the code to the to the problem and it's it's, it's just so frustrating to yeah. watch because then i don't know if this is going to happen or not but i don't know I don't want us to, if that ends up being the case, sell Frankie the Young because we couldn't quite figure out how to use him. And then you see him with a Bayern Munich or a Chelsea team, and he becomes what we all wanted him to become. And that'll be frustrating and really sad to watch as a Barcelona fan because we had that player and we just couldn't get the best out of him. Yeah, I want to tease some of the content coming on later in the week. I, I do promise, I, I think I said it, I think on a match review, I have thought more about Sergio Busquets and his future at Barcelona and what he is right now than almost any of you, I promise. I, I just a point where I was looking off in the distance and my wife's like, what are you thinking about? And Busquets was the answer. I said, I was just, I'm thinking anytime I'm spacing out in the next few days, I'm just thinking about Sergio Busquets, what his role is, what his purpose is what the purpose of that role is, if it's able to change, if you can adapt with it, if a different player is out there to in theory replace him, if those are internal changes, if what it is, like if even in the current iteration of Busquets and De Young, because it's not a De Young problem, it's not a Busquets problem, it's a Busquets and De Young problem. And you compound that on the fact that Pedri might be our best player, but he also is still 19 and Gabi is 17 and Nico is 20. And you, you compound that problem where, because you're right, Nico Gonzalez, Gabi, Pedri, De Young, Busquets, and your sixth midfielder being Ricky Puj. That's a darn good sixth name I just threw out to you. It feels good to see those names on paper. And then you watch it on the field, you go, why? And right. So I promise there is Busquets content coming out aplenty. Basically, the second pocket this week, we're just, it's, it's about Sergio Busquets and his future and all that stuff. Be careful with the hashtag. Though. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> no, no. Listen, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to give anything away. But the answer is everybody relax. There's, that's why things don't happen overnight. Okay. That's why you don't have a, a complete overhaul. The only thing that happens at Barca overnight are bad things, of course, with Messi leaving or things like that. Okay. Speaking of overnight and being patient, I want to go back to Abde here because I also see that there is a contingent. And again, I don't really respect the opinions you usually say this that are totally out on a player that, as I said earlier in the week, has played less than 30 or 40 first team matches. And yes, I know that Gabi has only played like, 15 and Nico has only played 12 or whatever it is or 15, but Abde clearly the time he's putting in, if we're willing to be patient and the club may not be able to be, he may never be able to get over the thing, the issues, because now that that other teams are aware of what he is and what he can do, he's been so much less effective and they've figured him out. That's what first division defenders are going to do to you. If you're 18 or 19 years old, you're quicker than everybody else. And you've got to move. They're going to figure out your move and they're going to take it away. And now what is your second option? What is your third option? Abde have he hasn't figured that out yet. He doesn't know what, what that's going to be. And he's kind of having to figure it out with all the pressure of playing for FC Barcelona in this tie, in this top four race while it's happening. So you saw in that game, and you know, I don't think Xavi again is blaming Abde or thinking that he's what you think, whereas oh, this kid's never gonna be good enough for Barca. Get him out. You saw Martin Brothwaite warming up 20 minutes in that game because Xavi said, Oh, Abde on the left over there, I don't think that's working out. That's not working out for us. That's not working out for him. 
And I think we're going to have a problem. And so I think he was almost trying to protect the player potentially if he would have removed him, but he didn't remove him. He moved him over to the right. And I, even though Ferran Torres and Des was actually working much better, it wound up adding a bit of balance because Abde got a bit better when he moved over to the right. He was a little more natural there. And then Ferran Torres, unfortunately, I think the idea was also to get Alba more space because as we've seen with Alba, going all the way back to the Neymar days, Alba just, he needs to say, this is my wing. And whoever else, whatever forward is over there is going to have to know how to cut in. That's why Ansu is like one of the perfect examples because Ansu just goes, all right, Jordy, have your fun out here. I'm going to go and score some goals in the box. <laughs> and, and he can do that. And Ferran Torres, in theory, will do the same thing on that left side for Jordy as opposed to Abde, who's again, going to be hugging that touchline. So that was the thing about Abde where there was multiple reasons for making that choice, but he did seem to get a little more confidence on the right. That's where he made his better moves. Starting the second half, whatever Xavi had told him seemed to work. He had that early opportunity in the second half, made a good run. But his, yeah, his decision-making looks like that of a 20-year-old who has not played much first-team football at all in a way that not... I don't want to do, retrash the whole... I retread the whole thing that, oh, we're spoiled because we have Pedri and Ansu and like these prodigious teenagers that are just incredible. But I'd say, yeah, Abde, this might come back to really help Barca in two years or three years down the line. That's a long time for a player, so... Maybe he has to become good by next year, the year after, but just be patient on a player like that. He's not ready yet and that's okay, but he also has to be, and we're expecting him to be. And I think we're just caught in between those two minds of a team where you're asking Abde to be Dembele because Barca couldn't handle or not handle, but because Dembele didn't want to stay. And you're asking Abde to be Ansu Fati, but he can't be because he's not Ansu Fati. And you're asking him to be the, the forward for whoever it is, like Abde or Jukla, whoever it may be, you're asking them to be Messi and you're asking them to be Sergio Aguero. And that's not what they are. So it's like, I'm not telling people to like suck it up that Abde isn't what you need him to be, but Abde's not ready yet, but he's, he has to be ready yet. I think I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, th I think that's a great point that you bring in patience. And I think a lot of Barcelona fans, especially on social media, like to jump on the La Masia train and, oh, this player from Barcelona B is coming up. He's great. Mika Marmol, Ilias, whoever it might be, the flavor of the month. But then they don't have the patience required to yeah. let these kids, like you said, obviously you're going to have your Pedri, your Gavi, and your Ansus who just come in, blow everyone out of the water and look like they belong while being 18, it's 17, 18, 19. And you got, that's like the, the top of the crop. But then you got like the middle tier who are let's let's be let's be honest. Abde is at best going to be a really good squad player coming in as a sub and then starting and sprinkled right. a little bit here and there. And that said, people like to oh no, let's play the youngsters. And then when <laughs> they get playing time, it's normal that they commit errors and then they get figured figured out. And then they gotta figure out how to not get figured out. So it's. Right. It's just well, people don't have patience. And well, like with Marmol, like I actually, I, I, I give that Marmol. I agree that the, the way that Mika Marmol has played this year, he's gotten so much better at his progressive passing. He's gotten so much better at building up through the back. He wasn't even as, as a left back, he was kind of an industrial left back, very stay at home left back. And then, and then Garcia Pimienta moved him to a left center back two years ago and he got a, a bit more comfortable there. And now this year, as we said, he's been their best center back. He's been one of their top two players consistently this season, regardless of whoever the other player is who's been healthy, whether it's Elijah Comas coming on for a game on Oriana when he's been around or whoever it may be. But Mika Marmol has been Barca B's most consistent best player. But the minute you put him up with the first team, here's what could happen. Barca's progressive passing could get better. They could do a better job with Mika Marmol breaking down a block than with Clement Langley. 
because even at this stage, and this is the La Masia bias here, that Marmol, I think, understands some of those passing angles and those passing lanes, even watching with Barca B. I think those tra- those skills will translate from Barca B to the first team. So I think he's more adept at that than Clement Langley. However, when Barca play Napoli, Dries Mertens, who Langley has seen a ton of times, might get the best of Langley once, but also he might not. Langley just might shut him down defensively. But Langley is also not going to help Barca break through Napoli because it's Langley and he just, he doesn't, he only gives you two to three progressive passing. He doesn't really ever deliver a long ball. And it's just not what, that's not his skill set. But as I said, when, when Marmol gets torn apart by Dries Martins, is, is Marmol is putting him in that situation. Is that what's best for the player at the moment too? And so I think we also are stuck in these two minds where what's best for Gabi's development right now is he playing for Barcelona's first team. That playing for Spain, playing for the first team, and being being given the keys to the very very fast car, do it. Gabi's ready. Give it to those players who are ready. But there are players that I mean, even Ilya Komash, who is I mean, he scored the Galazzo of Barca B of the Segunda Division this weekend. The Segunda Division B. I mean, this weekend, amazing goal. But does that mean that Ilya Komash is starting against Atletico Madrid? No, he's just he's not ready yet. He's 17, and he's an actual 17, not Gabi's 40 years old 17 or Pedri's. I'm, I'm, I'm an actually 35 year old. 19 year old like no they're actually their age they're actually teenagers and so it all comes together where every player has to be different all those young players are on their own progression and this thing where even de young de young is going to it has to for barcelona has basically had to become a different player than he was he was a different player from his time at hevernine all the way and i, I know i mispronounce it i do apologize to all of my dutch listeners but from um hevernine to to ajax he had to adjust his game and become a different player and then he had to adjust it again. You're watching Alejandro Balde. Everyone is asking, because I'm going to give you the Alba thing again. Well, we were asking, why is Balde not in the first team? Where's Balde? Where's Balde? The answer is that Balde is not ready for the first team. And that's okay. He's 18. And he went from being a forward. And then he became a left winger. And now he's a left back, who is certainly not ready to be a left back at first team level. And Kuman has said that. And Xavi has said that. And it's true. When multiple coaches seem to think the same thing, there might be something there. We might have to trust some like multiple managers over the course of players' careers. And again, being 18, he has room to improve. Now the club has to ask. I mean, his 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 agent is Jorge Mendez, if I'm not mistaken. So Jorge Mendez is going to want him to get a loan somewhere so that his client, if it's not having a future at Barcelona, can have a future somewhere because he does not want a distressed asset playing for Barca B at 21. That's not Jorge Mendez. That's not his style. So now the club is going to be stuck in a spot with Balde where at 18. Is there any place for him to get sent out or do you kind of keep him with Barca B and almost promise him some opportunity to the first team next year? But can you do that if you're going to bring in a player like whoever it may be, right? If it's Gaia or, but we know that Alba's not long, too long for it, but how long is that? A year, a two? I mean, if, if you again, believe the internet, the answer was, the, the answer for most on the internet was that it was that Deportivo Alaves was his last game for Barcelona, but I got some bad news for you on that one. Patience is a virtue and sadly, it's not something that a lot of people seem to have when analyzing young players. Yet they want to see them. They want to say, see them get minutes. But when things don't go the Gavi Pedri answer way, which is just being absolutely amazing from the get-go, they aren't as patient as they wanted it. They, they made it seem at first, like you said, with Balde. I remember people at the start of the season when Balde had a few good minutes here and there, they're like, oh, no, we, we don't need another left back or a backup or a starter. I'm like, if Jordi Alba gets injured or plays horrible, which is what's happening right now, are you going to burn 
and, and or trust Alejandro Ale, who's 18, 19, whatever he is, against Bayern Munich, against the, the Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid. You just don't do that. That's why you need another play. I remember, again, with Alenia was starting to get minutes, people were complaining, some people, why Ricky Push wasn't getting minutes. I'm like, you do realize that Alenia is in the first team right now from La Masia. Let him get some minutes. So let's watch Alenia first, and then we'll get on the Ricky thing and whatnot. So it's just that, again, I think I know it's – I think this is – it has more to do with the internet. Sadly, the internet is great for some things, and – not so great for others. And I think it's just we seem to – we want young players, we want them to get minutes, but when they're not automatically great, like the three that I just mentioned, then everybody's like, oh, my God, and then we burn them. That's why the, the, good, the good, good example that you gave about Mika Marmo, like it, it makes no sense to bring him up in well, such a say- tumultuous season. Well, what I will say is like there's a difference between Napoli and Alaves, though. Like if Marmol had started that game yesterday, even in the place of Araujo, because again, against those against a medium or low block like that, Araujo doesn't necessarily have the skill set. If Barca have 76 percent of the ball, you're not really getting the best out of Araujo, right? Like Araujo. Actually, I was also told Araujo. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm thinking about going back and forth now. But anyway, so for for Araujo, like you may you're not getting the best out of him if you have the ball 76 percent of the time and you're asking him to break through lines. That's not his game. So that might have been a game when a, when a center back with a bit more progressive passing with Eric Garcia still injured may have succeeded against Alaves. But you make that choice to do, okay, then our back line is Dest, PK, Marmol, Alba, in the same way that you don't put Alba and Marmol against, you know, longtime 30-year-old professional footballers on that right side for Alaves because Alaves is Alaves, but they're also a La Liga team. At first, like with Josuelo, who has had a long and generally fruitful career, ups and downs, but... It's, it's no scrub is it's like is a first team player for a, a top division side. That's that's a serious thing. And so I would have said, yeah, I mean, if Alba was I mean, also there were reports that Alba was carrying a knock into the game, too. So that was an instance where I kind of say that, yeah, I would have liked to see Balde. He was on the bench. He was there. So I would have liked to see Balde actually start that game for Alba, not to send a message to Alba, but just like you got Alba, Alba, Alba has to be the team. But in the same way, like there's so many young players and teenagers that it's almost hard to critique why isn't there another one right because like now i feel like i'm getting greedy like hey i i only see i only see eight players under the age of 21 out there just because we still see the 30 year olds and we still see the old guard who are so essential to this team so it feels like the team is still old because we have a 38 year old starting right back <laughs> so it, I'm a, it does feel like they're old i'm a firm believer that if you're gonna tweak with youngsters that aren't proven like pedri gabi and ansu you gotta do it at the camp no and against the lesser team yeah. Against Alaves away in the current situation that we're in, coming back from two really hard losses and el- eliminations is not the time to tweak things here and there. If you're gonna like give minutes to like a Balde, a Mika Marmon, whatever it may be, you do it at the Camp No, which by the way, Barcelona haven't played at the Camp No yet in 2022. Yeah. So you do it at the Camp No, not an not against an easy team because there's no easy team, but against a team that you no, you're probably going to dominate. And you just sprinkle in a, like a little tweak here. You just don't put, like you said, like Mika Marbo with Jordi Alba on that flank. Then you add a death and a top line that hasn't played together a minute. And then maybe Nico with somebody who hasn't played together yet. Like if you're going to like tweak something and mess around, just mess around with one thing yeah. because then you're just setting up yourself for failure. 
if you like switch something up front at the back in the middle on a away game on a cold pitch that I know people, especially Madridistas, make jokes about Xavi whenever he criticizes anything that has to do with the pitch, but it may seem like surreal, but that doesn't help either. If the pitch is that frozen, sure. the pass is just bounced like it's artificial grass. It's tight. It's there's no width. It's just it's the sum of all things that you just make things a hell lot harder for a Barcelona team that just has a hundred gazillion things to worry about on top of that. All right. So I got three questions for you down the stretch here. Lightning round here. We talked about left back a lot here. Tagliafico from Ajax, 29 year old as a stopgap option. Barca would prefer to sign Tagliafico on loan because they obviously in the summertime, they can get Gaia or, you know, no disrespect to Tagliafico, but a bigger fish. Not that, as I've said many, many times, a left back, Look around at left backs. I don't know how many bigger fish that Barca are going to possibly get able to wrangle in, especially if they don't finish top four because that market's going to dry up. But anyway, Tagliafico on loan, while Ajax would rather a permanent deal. But Ajax also, and that being Ten Hag, wants to make sure that even though Tagliafico is the backup behind Daily Blind this season, Ten Hag wants his entire squad because they're still in the Champions League, unlike Barca. And because they are fighting with PSV, they won, they beat them over the weekend 2 1 to retake the lead in Eredivisie. But they are in a they are in a dogfight with PSV. So he wants a backup at every position. That does Ten Hag, especially with the Champions League and the Eredivisie league going on. So I, I completely understand why he would not want to part with Tagliafico. But Tagliafico as a player is pushing really hard for the Barca move now because he basically knows if I don't make it now, and then it probably won't happen for me later. And obviously Barca want to bring in some help at left back. That's obvious too. So how do you feel about the Tagliafico move? Would you rather wait and just keep with what Barca have? Or would you say, yeah, let's, let's definitely make sure we can try to make sure this happens, even if it's on a permanent deal. Two things. One, you mean to tell me there's not a lot of Alfonso Davies out there? Well, even there's no Alfonso Davies right now, and I hope he gets better soon. I know. We we rise in Barca. <laughs> and the US, actually. So I hope he, I do hope he gets better soon, though. But which of the best is joking that I completely agree, especially like fullbacks. It's just so hard to find. And two, held to the yes, but like because of that situation that Barcelona need absolutely need to finish top four. If we were like second, third comfortably, I would say maybe let's wait, but we got to finish top four. And Tagliafico might not be the, 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 the best fish in the ocean to fish right now, but we just we can't rely on Jordi Alba for the rest of the season. Like, he's playing bad, but even what if he gets injured? Do we go back to a three line? Do we play Dest there like he plays with the U.S. national team? It's just that you can't run any risks right now. And you got to put yourself in the best situation to finish top four. And I think bringing in up, I know he's not the second coming of Christ and we're not as a left back, but you bring in a body with experience and not just rely and not even rely because Alejandro Valdez is not even playing, but you got a, an experienced body that you can throw there instead of Jordi Alba, whether He's not playing well or whether he's injured. So I think it's a must. And during Xavi's last press conference, he, when they asked him about trend, like the possible options, like a forward, like Morata uh, and a left back, he, like the way he spoke 
he said that Mateo Alemán is working and trying to do absolutely everything. The way he spoke and like he kind of like a half grin, just to me emphasized the importance of a left back. And I think yeah. between the two, I think a left back is coming. I think Tagliafico is coming because the other thing that I've read is that even though what you said, like Ting Hag wants him and doesn't want to lose him, and a, a thing is what Ting Hag wants, and another thing is what the Ajax board wants to do. And that's the conundrum. And I think at the end, he's got Tagliafico is going to arrive at Barcelona, and I think it's a must. I know it's a, it was quick fire, but just to sum it up, I think, I think we need – to bring in a left back, whether that's Tagliafico or not, that yeah. might be another discussion, but I think we need to bring in and the one that's been rumored is him. So yeah, it's a reminder that January, January transfers are very difficult. And usually I would say, don't put the carpet for the horse, but in this case at Barca to make sure they can make the moves and spend the money they may have in the summer, they have to make sure they finish top four and have that actual package to put together. So again, it's the, do you, burn a, a player that may not be the best option now when you might have a better one in the summer, but you, it's almost necessary to do that. So, same thing with Alvaro Morata. Like, would I want Ra Morata? Like, no, not in the summertime, obviously. But the idea that, I mean, I don't know if this is legal, but if you put Martin Brothwaite on Luke de Young's shoulders and put Morata on top of his shoulders, I, I mean, I think that would work really well. I think you're going to win every header. I think it's going to be, I think it would work out. So speaking of trios, actually, second thing, Messi, was having dinner with Xavi and Busquets. So, I mean, my only question is, is Messi actually shadow coaching and managing and captaining Barcelona from the shadows? Or were they just having a friendly meal talking about about, uh, about the old times? Well, he, he used to do that when he was playing, even though some people didn't want to admit it. He was basically kind of the coach to a certain extent with the way he... he did, Messi didn't have to say anything to for the coach whether that was Valverde Setien to take notice and basically shift things around if you know what I mean like that's the kind Zlatan of Ibrahimovic you don't have to lead I think Zlatan has some opinions about this yeah exactly like we know that it's not like he's like the Xavi Alonso Xavi Hernandez type of player coach that just like he just he just gave gave a look and it was like a gladiator It was either thumbs up or <laughs> thumbs down. And the coach knew. I was like, hey, Messi gave you the thumbs out. Uh, yeah. You're out of the starting 11. But no, I mean, honestly, about that, I know it's on top of that. It's a Monday. The Monday after leagues come to a halt again for international fixtures that the press is just like, like Wolverines out there trying to get anything that they can, transfer rumors and whatnot. And this literally fell on their laps to start this FIFA break. Messi eating, having dinner with Xavi and Busquets back at Barcelona. So obviously they're gonna, and fans are just gonna eat this up because there's nothing else to kind of do right now club wise. Yeah. So I, I just think this is literally still with Xavi's birthday on top of that. So I just think this is just yes. coincidence, I mean, and I don't think it's just. Oh, Messi's coming back next year with Haaland. Or like if Messi's coming back, it's just to have uh, one final hurrah in front of the camp. No, and whatnot. Yeah, But. yeah the two big news piece of news for tomorrow already is Xavi's birthday. And then uh, the Azbukweta pre-contract is really going to make its its cycle tomorrow. We're going to be thinking and talking about Azbukweta a lot tomorrow. But last thing here, 
is a trophy was won for Barcelona this week, but it was not the men. Of course, the women avenged. Can you believe they didn't win every match last year? No, they avenged a loss to Atletico Madrid in the Spanish Supercopa, winning that one. 7 nothing. Caroline Graham Hansen was out of this world. Hat-trick in that one. She had a free kick that was ridiculous. And Caroline Graham Hansen, of all the other names we... I always think I do this every time. I mentioned all the other names that played well, including obviously Alexia and when Bonani plays well and Hermosa when she's available. Again, her injuries have been piling up. But for Graham Hansen, I always do the same thing where I go, they were all great, but also like CGH was also incredible again. But the image that's going to stand out from this match is the one afterwards when Virginia Torcia, after 683 days of waiting, was finally able to come back from a fight with cancer. She beat cancer and came on as a sub for Atletico Madrid. She's a former Barca player. So to see her getting joisted up in the air and not to say that it even makes you nostalgic a little bit, but it reminded you that there is the Femini and what FC Barcelona is a total because the Femini is a representative in this instance, but Barca has this ability and they should. And that's why so many people are with us in the 50 whatever minute of this podcast. If you're still with us, it's because Barca has attracted you to this thing that you believe that they could be. There are these aspects of Mescaline Club that exist. And that is what Mescaline Club is. That is, Barca went out, dominated their opponent 7 nothing, won with grace, and then finished their day with grace, honoring it, like making it about more than the football. Because Barca has ability to do that. They win. They get the trophy and then they also make it up more than football. And that's what we as Kool-Aids expect from all of our clubs. And that's what we want the men to recapture. And that is what the Femini have perfectly captured once again. So it was just a great story, a great anything. I, I think I took all the points from uh, Rafa. There's not much for you to add there, but yeah, vamos no, to me as always. It was just yeah, a, a great moment that you love to see. And uh, it reminded me of when, uh, when Avidal came back. Yep. The camp, no, uh, added him, him lifting the Champions League in Wembley. Puyol give him the trophy, and then I think in the edit, the VC this weekend, what was it, or the cup, or something like that. Uh, youngster that I had was battling cancer, mm-hmm. he came in as a sub, and they made him a guard of honor. So it's just these things that makes you it's, it's the human aspect of the sport and puts into perspective that there's way bigger things than the sport that we so much love it's just life like re- these are real things and and then just perspective that yeah football is important and whatnot but you just like winning or losing even though it sucks and or we get really happy about a trophy and whatnot but the real important thing about this game like nobody's talking about the the trophy that barcelona won they're talking about that moment because it just exemplifies that hey we we're not we don't have a we don't know when it's our time and we just got to live to the fullest. And uh, it's someone who battled so hard and came back. Someone so young. It's just it's just a nice moment to see. And uh, like you said, it's just these type of moments that like you love to see as a Barcelona fan that I know sometimes club has had um, tumultuous things that make you make you kind of like wonder, are we going in the right direction or not? But then these things are the ones that you're like, hey, this yeah. is what it's all about. And this is how it needs to be. Right. I mean, back to the business side of it, the discussions this week or the rumors about a potential shirt sponsor sponsor is always a big talking point for Barcelona. It's always a big thing about they need the revenue, but also are they willing to sell their their souls on the front of their shirt? Are you willing to do that for Erlen Holland? Are you willing to 
Well, not necessarily him, but right. Are you willing to do that for whoever the next big guy is in five years, who's 15 or 16 now, right? Who's playing in some academy somewhere. Um, are you willing to, to, to sell your soul now? And most Kool-Aid's would say the answer is no. But then they also say, why does Barca not have the money for this or that? And I mean, the Bartomeu thing is a different hey, thing. On the, on the record, I am willing to sell my soul for Howard. <laughs> I, I just want it on record. Yeah. But yeah, no, right. I well, completely get what you're saying. Yeah. Well, Rafa, I think before I make it too negative again, I think we ended as we usually do with you and I. I always bring my, my friend from Mescaloon Podcast because we always ended on the up here, the podcast when I bring him on. So <laughs> I also want to remind you to follow him. YouTube is his main gig. So follow him on YouTube. Uh, it's in Spanish as well. So if you're tired of me talking in English, go over there, enjoy the Espanol. And yeah, we're also on Twitter and Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. You can follow our closed Facebook group, the Barcelona Podcast, answer the questions that let you in. And then Patreon is how we keep making these shows. I appreciate all the people that continue to sign up for Patreon and help me to, again, continue to make these. And we also want to let you know that you can listen to the ads over there. Uh, you listen to the, sorry, not the ads. You listen to the shows without the ads. <laughs> you don't actually just have to sign up Patreon for the ads. Uh, then we're on YouTube, as you know, with the match reviews. As I said before, just to tease the rest of the week, Busquets is going to be the focus of the podcast, but Busquets is also going to be the focus of a, I love this word, a slobber knocker of a YouTube video all about, you know, who I hope Barca can afford or who might be internally promoted someday and what that timetable might look like. So a lot of questions to be asked about Busquets. But until then, thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Barca Barca. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.